Hello and welcome to this Gen podcast. With me today, Bianca Gamarez de Manuel. Bianca lives between Brazil and Canada. She's currently based in Calgary. She's a scenographer and performance designer interested in creation happens between people, systems, and things. Bianca believes scenic elements can interrogate the body and people and question space, destabilize power relationships. And with us as well, Bianca's mentor, Julie Fox. Julie, of course, very famous in Toronto and in Canada in general. She's a production designer for theater, dance, and opera in Canada for over 20 years. Um, theater credits include Stratford Festival, Shaw Festival, Electric Company, Soul Pepper, uh, and many other companies, including Why Not Theater. She has received four Dora Awards for Outstanding Set Design, the Virginia Cooper Award for Custom Design, and been nominated for Sterling and Meta Awards. She's a graduate of the National Theater School of Canada, where she also teaches. Welcome, and how are you both doing? Great! Excellent, thank you. <laughs> uh, of course, you are an, both expert in space, spatiality, and the spatial experience. And I always start my episode with inviting the listener's imagination to a virtual space. And, you know, in auditory, whatever space is and however you address it, it's still in the mind. So we can be wherever we want. Where would you like to be? <laughs> well, you know, I would like to be in the same room with Bianca. It could be any, it doesn't have to be a room. It could be in nature, but uh, maybe like a busy cafe. Uh, I th I feel like the space will cease to matter once we start the conversation. But because we haven't been able to be present actually uh, together, that's what I'm imagining and what I would wish for. Bianca? Yeah, I, similarly, I think if we could be in the same space, maybe in a park with coffee and uh, some like eccentric piece of uh, public art, I think that would do okay, it really well. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate yeah. that we cannot be in the same room. Um, Bianca, you live in Calgary, and I'm curious to know how did you get in touch with Why Not Theatre and how you get involved in this uh, Gen Fellowship. Also, if you can tell us about what was in your imagination before you applied to the fellowship. I heard about the fellowship through a friend of mine, a director based in Calgary called Jenna Rogers, uh, and she had, I think, worked with the Why Not Theater in some capacity or known them. I don't know much about that. But anyways, she sent an email to many people um, saying, hey, here, this is a great theater company from Toronto doing this theater, uh, this great program, you should apply. So I remember at the time I was like, oh, should I apply? Maybe I shouldn't apply, should I apply? And then I called her and she was like, yes, you should apply. So then I applied. <laughs> and I remember at the time I was very interested in thinking through applications as a letter, like I wanted to be something more personal. So I was very honest with that, what I was thinking. I was not trying to pretend anything or I was just writing to the committee essentially with open heart. Yeah. Yeah, believe me, honesty and personal letters, they always work. They always work with me. <laughs> Julie, you mentioned in the beginning the pandemic and the, the challenge you had not being in the same room with Bianca. And maybe this is maybe brought some compromises. 
How did you design for your time with Bianca? Was there a limited number of sessions or were there some goals you wanted to achieve? Well, I started after our initial conversation where we kind of introduced each other um, to each other. Uh, I had, I guess, some ideas about maybe a kind of more applied uh, project where Bianca would, for example, um, create a model and come up with a, a design for a piece. But the more we we talked, the more that goal kind of got reshaped by um, these kind of very expansive philosophical discussions we were having about like the nature of theater, the nature of design, how, uh, Bianca's feelings about that of identity, uh, you know, uh, Brazil vis-a-vis -vis Canada and these two different arts cultures and the kind of meeting, uh, her experience of the meeting of those two cultures. And so that no longer seemed to be um, a kind of very relevant objective. It was more also just because I think of the nature of the pandemic. It's a period of reflection. You know, things have stopped. It's not kind of um, if, if we were together, maybe she would be shadowing me in a theater and we would just be talking about conventional theater. But this is a, a moment in time to question everything <laughs> and to reassess. Uh, and obviously a lot of people are, are doing that and, and there's lots of great things about that. So ultimately, after this kind of long period of, of uh, philosophical exploration, uh, we came to this uh, idea and, and Bianca did all kinds of kind of interesting installation work and uh, explorations out in the, in the community. Uh, kind of pursuing uh, themes, I think that are interesting that that have consistently interested her uh, as an artist. And then we had a space to work with, so we thought, well, what if there was uh, this kind of more specific exercise, which was sort of targeting um, a process or uh, like trying to um, create uh, an opportunity to connect with instinct. So it was a kind of more essential exercise, less about uh, kind of process, uh, product-oriented exercise and more about um, discovering process, more elemental, more fundamental to uh, uh, an exploration of self and, and process. And so, and amazingly, we only had seven sessions of conversations, but we actually, you know, today <laughs> arrived at, I think, some pretty exciting uh results from this kind of um, experience of meeting, of meeting each other. Uh, amazing. But you've been working in theater for 20 years. And if we will ask you to compare how were the circumstances for female artists when, when you started, uh, if you will compare them to now, was there a big role of mentorship in your own life as an artist when you started? Uh, yeah, I had a great mentor. I was very lucky to um, come across uh, a Hungarian uh, teacher in theater school. Her name is Judith uh, Chenadi. And uh, she, you know, the exercise that I did with Bianca is something that I got from Judith. It was really a kind of uh, a, important for me and you did just in her just as a kind of like life model in her relationship to life and art and the connection and um, bringing one's 
kind of a passion and moral drive to kind of improve society and uh, bring that into uh, work as an artist, I think um, had a big impact on me. And as a woman, I, I don't think I have, you know, I've been incredibly lucky and, and privileged in my career in theater. And I don't think I've experienced too many blocks, but one thing I have noticed is that I'm working with more and more women. Where before um, the uh, management uh, structure was more male and patriarchal, I'm getting to work with a kind of, yeah, m more women, and that has improved my kind of daily experience of the intersection of different roles in the theater. Bianca? You mentioned many times in your meetings with the fellows and your um, group calls uh, about the process of working that I don't want to give too much. You will tell us more about it. Uh, can you elaborate on your process in designing a set? And uh, if you can also tell me a little bit about how you imagine your relationship with a director or a collaborator when working on a set design. Oh, man. <laughs> Where to start? I, I, I think... Um in Brazil, um, the way I was trained and the way the arts industry works in Brazil, I mean industry, depends, because you have big centers, so Sao Paulo and Rio, and they have very specific ways of working. One is more like no telenovela-driven, Rio and Carnival, and Sao Paulo is more like public funding to engage uh, the communities and, and the social disparity that there is in the country, so there is that. In addition to that, we had a dictator regime uh, that ended in the 80s and a lot of the regime was chasing artists and because of that, like, there's a thing where you won't trust an institutional space as much as you would trust in Canada because of the censorship and the history of censor censorship and like just uh, military coming in and breaking theatrical spaces. So. That's where the theater exploded and flooded to the streets. So there is a lot more use of alternative spaces and street theater. And there's less funding, so that makes you really um, use the materials you have available. So as a designer, it's less relevant for you to learn how to do a model. Uh, and it's more relevant for you to know how to make the scenic elements have dramaturgical relevance with the materials you have available. So it's kind of finding a balance where you're not saying, hey, look, um, I can't do this because we don't have money. It's like, okay, we can't have money, so what can we do with this? Yeah, nowadays it changed a little bit because I got the training from UFC in Canada, which is a more traditional Canadian way of working with theater. So I guess how I define my relationship with the director would be, I would like my relationship with the director to be collaborative. And with a collaborator in a non-hierarchical process, I would also like to be collaborative. Um, when I'm going to work with a director, I go more with the mindset that I won't have as much artistic input, that there will be more of a translation process. I think that's what I have found. Julia really helped me to kind of track, but also to find the ways where I can find that freedom is something I have to keep working on is one of my biggest takes and maybe architecture is a good way to do that anyways <laughs> Julie where do you see the set design will make compromises 
like you've done a lot of work of all kinds. Like, so for me, I'm someone who collaborated with scenographers. And sometimes the scenography was designed before the text is written, mm. based on an idea mm. and concept. Mm-hmm. How, as a set designer, um, you meet with the director or with the collaborator? Where do you meet and where you do the compromise? Right. Well, I guess I try to work with the director a kind of in a tandem, in a parallel journey, so that we are um, t- kind of discovering together um, that the set design or the design for the costumes kind of reveal themselves uh, to us gradually. And they are the kind of final product of many long discussions, again, those philosophical discussions about what is the main idea of this particular piece? Like, what, did it, what, is, what, is, what is it that we want to communicate to the community with this piece? And what is our personal connection to it? What is the director's connection? And so we try to, I try to find with the director a kind of lighthouse of like the beacon of the piece. And we also spend time in the space, in the architecture, the theater itself. And so how do we express this message within this space? And I, and with the director, it's a process of kind of exploration of the space without any preconceived ideas. It's just what actually is this room and how can, how can we transform it or how can we use it best for this particular play? And then finally, there's the design and the design then it becomes very grounded um, in meaning. It's usually a surprise to me as much as to the director what it is that we come up with. And so when you do have this lighthouse, this beacon of what it is that's really essential to you, uh, it makes it easier to compromise because you know you can fight for the, what you think are like bottom, like I will go to the wall for this element and sometimes it has been I will go for I will go to the wall to empty this space I don't want any of the crap that you normally have in this theater I need it to be open and completely and I'm going to spend all my money on nothing Uh, actually quite a few times (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's been the case Uh, so yeah it makes it um, uh, very satisfying If you will look back to the past 20 years in your experience, when do you think was the best time for set designers in Canada? Well, it's funny because I thought, well, you know, the 1980s and the 1990s, it was like, it was also, I was starting out and there were a lot fewer rules and it was possible to be messier. Uh, and more visceral and I'm always attracted to theater that is quite uh, visceral and messy and kind of alive Uh, and it was just easier to you know there's a good reason to have lots of those safety rules but I was talking to Bianca about this piece from Brazil actually I saw that had like dirt and fire and water and uh, it just reveled in those elements and it's like still the best piece of theater I ever saw in my life so I do miss that time a little bit but I think that today you know as, as Bianca phrases it this dramaturgical design is starting to kind of chip away at ideas of representational design in Canada and that's a good thing. Uh, Bianca, if we will describe your work to people who don't know you, 
in three words what those words would be? Yeah, that's be. a hard one. I think at first one would be collaborative. Um, the second one, I guess, unique. Uh, the third one would be chaotic. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> You were talking about the elements and you were talking about the essential in the last meeting. And this is a new question to you, just came to my mind now. You know, set design sometimes could be realistic, sometimes could be fantasy. And uh, if you will think of those elements and if you will think of the internal logic in the set design and how we can make it understood by the audience, it's an important element we think about when we create theater. What are the most important elements you think that will decide on if the design uh, will be realistic or fantasy? Bianca? I think it really depends on the people, on the collaborators. Um, I think if you, there are directors I've worked with that they have a huge interest in having a design that is representational. Uh, or that their focus is on the script, therefore they want less stress on the design elements, they want to have more work on the text. There are directors I've worked with that they want to have this kind of um, magnific character that is the scenography, uh, and then there are directors that, uh, or collaborators that you work with that they're interested in seeing how the, the design will evolve, right? Experimenting with it and seeing where it will go. So I think for me at this point, it's more the people I collaborate with uh, that helps to determine. And not only the people, but like the reason why they're doing the thing. And I think this is something uh, Julie and I talked a lot about on our um, meetings and I will really take away with myself. is like getting to know why people are doing the work that they are doing beyond the essays that they can write about their work or like the just like the answers they find on the script is why are you personally doing this and in that there will be an emo like an emotion an affection something that generates movement and then is that movement actually that determines um what is the best medium in terms of like representational uh surrealistic in relationship to that movement mm -hmm. that's really a good answer <laughs> Julie, when you think of a set design, of course, you will uh, sometimes read a text or you meet in the room with the collaborators if it is a creation. Uh, where do you get your inspiration from when you think of a set design? I, I mean, I think in a way it's, it's kind of um, going back to what I was talking about before, which is the inspiration starts with kind of understanding what the main idea or the message of the piece is and what my personal connection is to that and what my collaborator's connection is to that. So it starts from trying to understand the kind of core of the piece and, and then the theater space itself, understanding that space. And then from there, it would radiate out to, you know, the, some photographs that I've seen or installation art, and I get into, excited about the idea of tape or, you know, tinfoil or some materials. Uh, and I'm trying to get the director excited about that material too. Some, you know, it really uh, it varies from piece to piece. Each piece is unique to inspire the source of inspiration. I would say. Yeah, definitely. Bianca, where do you get your inspiration? From? Yeah, I think it really changes with time. Um, I think a lot, like similarly to Julie, on the back and forth with people and the 
like subject matter that you find strength of like the lines that create more, that generate more movement again and then from there you find like a form that has those relationships um, yeah and then now I'm very inspired by my learnings with Julie like the awareness of the space and thinking of the architecture I think that will change a lot for me the way I'm looking at design and trying to keep working towards that and also the notion of what like emotions and emotions in relationship to space and the essential like what is the main thing and the more important thing in this design I think this having that level of explicity in working is my biggest level by inspiration right now Mm-hmm. Today you finished your last session of phase one and I know that we don't have theater now so maybe you are not busy in the room working but maybe you are busy with other projects or preparations so I'm curious to know what you are busy uh, with. Well in a couple of weeks I'm going actually to Montreal to teach in person a couple of directing students at the National Theatre School so and it's I've been doing this for a number of years and so yeah I'm trying to uh, yeah develop uh, in uh, new directors this uh, relationship to design some of the ideas that we've been talking about uh, in this podcast so that's kind of fun um, and in terms of there's maybe a project that um, it sounds like it may happen it's a one woman show with masks and uh, that will probably happen in the spring uh, and it's one that we did for many years um, in the beginning of the 2000s and in Hungary and in Europe as well and it's really that kind of magic theater uh, so it's a simple show but um, it's very exciting to think about going back to that piece and the show would happen here in Canada yeah in Toronto looking forward to go back to theater I know <laughs> yeah. Bianca what are you busy with right today now today I had the first time I had a rehearsal in a space with masks and distancing for a piece um, that we hope it will happen in the spring but because it's more process oriented we're oriented we're doing like one phase now and it's about the clothing exploding is the name of the piece and it's a device sort of creation where we are trying to understand why we worry so much about the clothes we wear but so little about the impact of our clothing interesting i think in the in the coming year we will see a lot of productions with oh, masks yeah. it was very odd to be in a th- like in a rehearsal room today with people i mean it was only three of the three of, three of us but like with distancing and wearing masks and then like yeah there's so many little things you forget It will take a little bit of time before we get back to normal, but hopefully soon we will be in the same room and we will be talking about this in person. Thank you very much for this lovely conversation. I'm also fascinated by set design in general. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was This Gen Podcast, created by Rima Jabber. If you would like to know more about This Gen Fellowship, please check Why Not Theatre website at whynot.theatre. Thank you.